Lionel Messi's World Cup dream is still alive. But what's that coming over the hill? Is it a monster? No, it's Croatia. Zlatko Dalic's dad's army have ground their way to the semi-finals. They're just one game away from reaching a second consecutive World Cup final. They've dumped out mighty Brazil. Can they do the same to Argentina? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is World Cup Only Better. not going to refer to my top tipping team as dad's army some might but i won't marco here uh, marco here who's marco here marco Hare is with me uh, can't even get his name right i'm so excited about the world cup semi-finals but before we get into argentina croatia marco here uh, i have to ask you about england's exit struck me that they actually played really well but were undone by a couple of world-class moments and of course a missed penalty and that can happen yeah, for sure. Um, I thought England played played well for the most part, but you know, in tournament football, the, the best teams don't always win, uh, and the key details can be crucial, as you say. So England, I think, were, were probably second best in both boxes. France took their chances, England didn't, and that's football. Um, and you just got to take your medicine and move on, really. But um, yeah, you know, I, I do take a a bit of issue whether it's just social media being a bit OTT as it tends to be, and it probably isn't a fair reflection on the majority. But I'd be interested to hear your guys' views, really. But um, there's a suggestion that England dominated France, and I think that's probably going a bit a bit too far, to be honest. Um, because if you you know if you strip out the penalties, England actually lost the XG battle against France. They had one shot more from inside the penalty area than France did across the 90 minutes as well. So if you're dominating a team, I'd expect those figures to be far greater than what they were. Uh, and then there's the referee as well. And look, the referee, I think we're in danger now of, of kind of fans, players and even coaches in, in this competition, at least um, stepping across the line, really. Um, I'm not saying England did. And Gareth Southgate was very diplomatic in, in his post-match press conference, but other coaches certainly have and kind of echoes what Anders Frisk had to deal with, with with Chelsea back in the day. And the refereeing wasn't good, but he still gave England two penalties. I know one of them had to be referred to VAR, but um, there was potentially a third as well. But, you know, folk are talking like England got knocked out because of corruption and, and potentially a referee being, you know, too one-sided. But, you know, the referee wasn't the reason why England went out of the competition. And I think Tim Vickery put it perfectly, really, in his assessment. You know, he sees that referee week in, week out in Brazil. And he said, in Brazil, everything he gives is a foul. So when he comes to the World Cup, he tries to let things go because that's what he's told to do. And he ends up a little bit confused by his own mind, what is a foul and what isn't a foul. And hence there's inconsistency there too. But, um, you know, I think on a brighter side, England's getting to another sort of World Cup quarterfinal, competing. You know, there's a lot, a lot to be positive about. Uh, I'm a firm believer that if you continue to knock on the door, uh, your time will come in major competitions. Uh, I do believe England will win a major competition within the next 10 years with if the current group and the youngsters continue to come through at the rate that they are right now. Uh, England's squad is definitely as good, if not better, than the most in Europe in European football, let alone across the globe too. So, um, and then it obviously brings you onto the debate about the coach and whether Gareth Southgate should be staying on or not. But um, I guess that's another debate. But yeah, going back to the match in, in point, England very good, uh, but I think it very good between both penalty areas, and, and that's where they fell down. Yeah, I've, I've said this before, but I think there's a group of England fans, quite a significant group of England fans, that always want what they can't have. 
whether it's, oh, get Grealish in the team or, oh, get Madison in the team. They're always obsessed with what they haven't got in the team. People who were slagging off Rashford just weeks ago, suddenly he's amazing and should have been starting the game. So I think you've got that element and it applies to the coach as well. You've got people who always think there's going to be some super coach begging to take over England. And if you actually look, we've done that. We've had Capello, that didn't work. We've had Ericsson, ultimately that didn't work. So Gareth Southgate has done what a lot of England coaches haven't been able to do, which is create an environment in which there's no fear of playing for England. Players actually turn up enthused and excited about playing for England instead of worrying about what the reaction's going to be when they go out of tournaments. He's had a semi-final, a final and a quarter-final. I think he should carry on until the Euros. I think he's created that framework. I think it'd be a real shame if you risked ripping that up now by bringing in somebody like Thomas Tuchel, who I like very much as a coach, have done since he was at Mainz. I think he's a brilliant football mind. Is he a brilliant mind in terms of man management, which is what you need at international level? I'm not sure he is. Uh, the punting professor, Jason Murphy, look, I can get names right, is on the team. Uh, Jason, how do we assess England's campaign? Um, any pre-match tournament tips or suggestions on England all suggested there was a quarter-final exit. And that, that worked out to be the case, but I think they went down better than what many expected the toss, like to get to the quarterfinal and, and be second best. But I don't think they were second best on the night against France. I don't think they were standout best either. Um so I think it was I think it was an acceptable performance. Like, you know, quarterfinal was kind of minimum, but we knew that they weren't going to be favourites likely who they were going to meet in that quarterfinal stage. So I think yeah, I think it's been a successful tournament, albeit not as successful. You know, ultimately you want to win things and, and that hasn't happened. But any points I had to make, you, you touched on them like, you know, it's moments. Fine moments can decide things. And I think Clarice's save from Kane where Kane spins up with Mancano and gets through and it's just a little lobbed finish, just needs another inch or two on it. But Lloris is off his line and closes them down brilliantly. So it's it's fine moments. All a manager can do is work with the squad that he has. And I think... On that box, you tick it and say that Garrett Southgate got the best out of the squad that he had. You can't put all 24, 25, 26 players on the pitch and start the tournament or call him for Foden. And then they go out and they're saying Rashford didn't play enough. Uh, but Bukayo Saka was probably their best player. Like So who, you know, you can't have them all on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. And anyone that was on the pitch was pretty much playing pretty well. Like I thought Bukayo Saka was brilliant. And... Doubled up really well with Jordan Henderson and gave Theo Hernandez an absolute horrid time to the point where I think he's traumatised that that's what leads him giving away the penalty because he doesn't know where his head's at because he's he just had a really difficult night. So moments can go against you. Over 90 minutes, a referee can make a decision, but over 90 minutes, more often than not, you should be good enough that the referee's decision should come out of it. I thought he was poor, but I think he was poor for both sides. You could argue both ways. And, and the same with the Netherlands-Argentina match, <laughs> very poor, but again, was poor for both sides. So if you're good enough, the referee shouldn't come into it. So overall, England fans should be positive. Absolutely disappointed. Absolutely gutted. But there's other teams coming out of this World Cup and, and you're like, you're not sure when they're going to compete again. Like Belgium, you know, you're looking down as opposed to looking up where England definitely should be looking upwards going forward. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Master of the Sustainable Edge odds compiler, Mark Stinchcombe is with us. Stinch, lots of people have called for Gareth Southgate to go, but he has given this team continuity. I know that people say he's not a tactical genius, but with international football, guys like Clark, Guardiola, they're, they're not interested. 
Yeah, I mean, there is that question of who who maybe would come in instead, but I think it's a little bit unfair to make the decision whether he stays or not based on just what's available, given the fact that he got the job on a technicality, really, with Allardyce leaving and him stepping in to keep the seat warm. And, yeah, he's a nice guy and he says yes, I think, and he was allowed to stay, but his actual football success rate is is not very good you know I, you know he's relegated at club level relegated at international level he's given you know one of the most talented squads ever and under if you compare it with what went before stinch against iceland they couldn't play a five-yard pass i mean what what happened before was atrocious i mean if you compare they've done more than that golden generation in inverted commas ever did uh-huh, but I, do, I think the I'm, I mean, Iceland's not a fantastic example from what I'm about to say, but I, I think in the in the era previously, you know, the early noughties, 90s, the other international teams were also better. I don't think they're as good as they 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 once were. You look at Brazil and Argentina. I don't think you know it's not Rivaldo, Kaká, Ronaldinho. I don't think it's that anything. To, you know, you've got Richarlison. Casemiro and Lucas Paqueta that you know they don't play at top world-class clubs um I don't think it's anything to be to be scared of to be honest and on the big occasions and the big moments he freezes I don't think in a World Cup quarterfinal 1-1 with 15 minutes to go you can't be conceding a goal especially as you've just had a warning literally the same player is as nearly as nearly just scored and then from the resulting corner you've cleared the corner and then allowed a ball to come back in you allowed him another opportunity that, that just can't be allowed to happen and he hadn't made a substitution up until then either you know you got five subs england's bench is just absolutely crawling with with quality and it hasn't made any adjustments another thing that disappointed me as well was the the lack of a set piece specialist talked about it a lot pre-tournament that you know f- tournament football especially is, is the margins are even more important and england didn't have anybody on the pitch that capable of scoring set piece or delivering a fantastic set piece i think especially if kieran trippier i'm not saying necessarily starting but i think i alluded to it before maybe start with Walker and then bring Trippier on later on if if you're chasing. Uh, Rashford didn't start. I don't think he is a free kick specialist in my mind, but at least in the last in the last second, I would have preferred Trippier on that. But then earlier on in the game, I would I would have preferred someone else other than Luke Shaw and, and Jordan Henderson. Um, James Madison again, why have you taken him all that way to to be to be that you know arguably he's there to score low quality opportunities um jack grealish getting what 60 seconds what's the point in that like that's that does that that didn't make sense and and overall in my 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 sort of lifetime um watching following football gareth southgate's uh legacy is missing penalties you mentioned playing uh he's given england players the the ability to play without fear well frankly they they keep missing penalties unfortunately so i'm not sure whether that's that that's true so i think bless him like (laughs) he did take england to a final yes but as we say very very kind very very soft draws and whenever something decent he's come up against he has ultimately lost see it's all about different views you see stinch has his view i have mine and we're totally opposite but it's all fine so uh, england to- england has still never won a major tournament knockout match as underdogs um so yeah um, 
That's uh, I, I actually genuinely thought England might beat France at the weekend, and that would be his his saving grace, really, because as Stitch says, those the draw, the schedule to get to the final or the semi-finals of major tournaments has been kind and generous. And I think you do. But we need say to all this, but Portugal went out to Morocco, Spain went out to Morocco. That would have been kind in inverted commas. We've had yeah. shocks in tournaments. Yeah. I think there's just an assumption that I, I get it. Look, of course, that's a logical thing. We're going to have to move on to Croatia in a minute. But but I, know, I get the strength, strength of schedule thing, but you have shocks all the time. It's not a divine right to beat these teams, is it? That's no, it's exactly not, but I, I think England have got a squad which should be... You know, I, I was genuinely looking at that game with France at the weekend after... After what we saw with Morocco, and I thought, bloody hell, England are playing Morocco in a World Cup semi-final. Like, they're never going to get a better opportunity uh, sort of getting a major trophy under their arms than, than this. Um, and they played well. That's, that's you know, fair play to them. But uh, Jason sounds like he was going to agree with me. Go on, Jason. <laughs> no, that's it. They've played well. And sometimes you play well and you don't win. You don't have a divine right to go out and beat France. Like, you just don't. They're the world champions. They're world-class players. They've played well. I... I I try to be as neutral as possible and looking from from the outside. You could be critical of what happened against Croatia in the World Cup semi-final. You could be critical against Italy. That's how Gate didn't do enough. But I thought what he did, the tactics he had worked brilliantly against France. Captain Mbappe quiet. A game situation develops. Kyle Walker goes forward, gets cut out of position for the goal. That happens. But other than that, Captain Mbappe quiet. The start of the second half, when you might be looking to make changes even needed. England were the better team, I thought, in that 15-minute 20 period that you don't make changes. Like, Bakaya Saka is brilliant. Why you don't take him off? It's not the NFL. You can't have a kicking specialist. If you bring Trippier on for a free kick, like, yeah, do you start him against Mbappe just so you have him for a free kick or a corner? It doesn't make sense. James, Matt, if you put Madison on, who are you taking off? These are the questions you have to ask. Henderson actually played his role brilliantly, combined really well with Saka. You just can't have every player on the pitch. It's not always someone's fault if you don't win. You England had a game plan against the world champions, implemented it really, really well. And just because Southgate missed the penalty, that doesn't impact Kane missing the penalty. Kane scored four of his previous penalties at World Cup. He scored the earlier penalty against France. I thought he was going to score against Doris, but absolutely taking a second penalty in a game, it's a lot more difficult for a striker because you start second-guessing yourself. It's it's disappointing, but there's no divine right. There's no way you can say there's another manager comes in there and gets a better performance against France. And even if they get a better performance, there's no guarantee that to go through. England were unlucky, and I think Southgate... Like, this is what you opened with, Kev, this whole point about, you know, certain fans will want certain things, and Stinch is well-informed, well-educated, and fully respect his opinion. But you just can't have every player on the pitch either, and sometimes it just doesn't work out regardless of who the manager or the players are they played well but it just didn't happen for them on the night go on Stitch I'll give you right to reply there and then we'll move on from this I mean you can play Kieran Trippier at left back as he has done previously he doesn't have to play right back um, he took Bukaya Saka off for for example when he brought on Raheem Sterling that isn't there a feeling there was an injury, though, for Saka, that he'd been okay, kicked well, uh, all over well, uh, the shop, hadn't he? Uh, so, uh, same with John Stones. That's why Grealish gets 60 seconds. I think it's because John Stone gets injured. It's not that he says, oh, let's put Grealish on for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. But it was the same at the Euro 2020 final, where he's bringing players on with a few seconds to go and then expecting them to be fresh and ready to take penalties. Um, I just don't think he's very well prepared in-game. 
Um, I'm a, I'm a very much predominantly pre-game better. And uh, I think if Gareth Southgate was also a gambler, he would be the same. I don't think in play he lacks the the nous to make the critical decisions when when required, essentially. And, I think that and is this fair. Is, yeah, this is not, is you know, this is not reactionary. I'm talking about his tenure as a whole. He's had a very good go at it, and I think given he's been keep being given these kind draws, I, I don't believe that with a harder draw, which is going to happen at some point, he's on, he's a, he is on the above curve in terms of easy draws. The next tournament, I don't think he, he'll continue to keep getting easy draws, and even if he does, I don't have the confidence that he knows the right decision making. He wants to just like pick the team and then FIFA simulate, I think, and then you know, the whatever happens happens. And, you know. Or just maybe give, a, I don't know, maybe get another assistant in that is more like in-game management, you know, a bit more hands-on, leave leave Southgate to be doing, you know, the picking the team and, you know, um, you know, talking to the players and, you know, G-ing them up or whatever, like let, let someone else do the in-game type. But he definitely, there definitely needs something that needs to change in play. I just feel that on the bigger stage, in the big moments, they just freeze and hope for the best. We'll see if uh, he carries on and if he does carry on, whether he, as Stinch suggests, brings somebody in uh, just to help him with those big decisions in game. Right, on to the teams that are still in the competition. Argentina against Croatia in the first semi-final on Tuesday night. South Americans, 1.87 favourites. Mark O'Hare, apart from the Messi factor, what's that based on? Yeah, it, it feels feels like a short price to me. Um I'm expecting this to be tight and cagey and much closer than what the odds are suggesting it it will be. Uh, we know that World Cup semi-finals tend to be pretty tight and cagey. I think 17 of the last 22 have featured uh, fewer than three goals, under 2.5 goals. And since 1990, half of the 16 have produced a maximum of just one goal. Six of 16 were drawn. 11 of 16 were, were half-time draws. And interestingly, too, just one game of those 16 was separated by more than a one goal margin, which was, of course, Germany and Brazil, the famous match too. So goals per game figure tends to hover around just two. Um, I'm not expecting any different here. Um, I did think we saw a better Argentina against the Dutch. I thought they were the better side in that match in 90 minutes and 120. Uh, but again, it was quite cagey really until probably the pass of the tournament from Messi to to create the opener. And then things didn't dramatically open up after that, really. It was obviously the penalty and then Louis van Gaal went all Wimbledon in the 90s and 80s against... Uh, I love that. Anything. That's my favourite <laughs> bit of the tournament, that is. It going <laughs> National League and just... Well, that's a very unfair on some National League teams. Sunday League, is what I uh, Just pumping it long. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the match had everything. It was, it was fantastic entertainment. Um, but yeah, I think if you're an Argentina backer, you would be concerned at how they defended um, in that last 15, 20 minutes and, and how bamboozled they looked by that approach. Um, I'm not sure it's the approach Croatia will take, but it's something they'll have noticed at least. And um, yeah, obviously the equaliser was probably one of the, the moments and great moments in World Cup history. It will go down as really with that, that free kick routine. But yeah, Argentina, Molina and Acuna are, are suspended now. Um, so that's their first choice fullbacks missing. Uh, uh, records... You were all so right about Acuna, by the way. You said <laughs> before that game, he's going to do something stupid. And lo and behold, there you go. Did yeah. win a penalty though. Uh, yes, he did. Well, that was a great run, actually. And talking about doing stupid things, Denzel Dumfries. What, yeah, what well. is he doing anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Bracket them in the same in the same area there. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, Argentina's World Cup record against European nations isn't great. They've won once in the last fourteen knockout ties against UEFA teams in ninety minutes. Eight of those matches were drawn. But even still. Um, I would be concerned about backing Argentina at those prices. I think the draw, again, is a very live runner at 345. 
You know, I mentioned previously about the, the remarkable return on investment. If you back the draw blindly in every World Cup knockout fixture and, and two of the four quarterfinals have already kind of gone that way too. Uh, yeah, on Croatia, I, I was probably a little bit too dismissive of them against Brazil, largely down to the fact that they played 120 minutes with Japan just days earlier, were taken to the brink by Belgium and, and survived really. But um, you look at the Brazil game as well, they gave up a lot of chances. The goalkeeper again was probably the standout performer of the team. Uh, they did what they always do, dominate the midfield. But I think Brazil possibly made an error of judgment in their tactical approach there of allowing them that freedom. Uh, we talked about it pre, pre-game as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a Brazilian perspective as well, in extra time, you're leading 1-0 to allow yourself to be caught four on four in a counter-attacking situation with just minutes to go. It's just it's just criminal, really. So fair play to Croatia for, for rising to the challenge, taking their opportunity. They've now led in this tournament for a, a total of 46 minutes, which were all against Canada, basically. And they're in the semi-finals, <laughs> which is just mental, really. But to sort of steal a line from a, a friend of the pod, Andy Brassel, he said, Croatia are like your granddad. They may be old and they may be tired, but they're certainly not to be messed with. And uh, it has proved very accurate because they just don't seem to be dying away at the minute. But um, yeah, just fascinated by what Scaloni does here with Argentina. He matched uh, the Netherlands up last match and uh, Louis van Gaal was, was uh, very um, aware of that pre-match, shall we say. Um, will he tinker with things again here? Will he add an extra midfielder to try and combat Croatia's strengths? Fascinated to see how he does approach it. But uh, either way, I, I felt Argentina are a bit short at 220 against Netherlands. So I'm certainly not keen on backing them at 1.87 against Croatia. So drawing under two and a half goals, again, is my play here. It's a three to one shot on the exchange, which I think holds a, a lot more appeal. You're basically backing the nil-nil and the one-one. Um, elsewhere, I'm going to be having a look at Luka Modric in the fouls market again when they could become available. Uh, he's made at least one foul in all five fixtures, committed two or more in four or five. He, along with Brozovic, are committing the most fouls in the Croatian team, but he's always priced much better than uh, Brozovic, normally an odds against offering. And then even Perisic as well, which is a price which is available right now, which is really, really attractive to me. Came so close to scoring for Croatia early on against Brazil, where he didn't get a, a great connection on that cross. That was one of three attempts he had. He it was 2.3 to have two or more shots against Brazil and Croatia are an eight to one shot to win that match. They're 5.5 to beat Argentina. Perisic's price to have two shots or more has been cut from 2.3 to just 2.25. Um, so it's landed in four of his five games for Croatia at this tournament, uh, kind of preaching to the converted here. But he's obviously playing higher up for Croatia as he, as he does compared to his club. Got an amazing engine, stamina. He'll be in the thick of things if Croatia do well here. And if they are chasing a game, which the odds suggest they might be doing, he'll be prominent too. So 2.25 on, on Perisic to have uh, over 1.5 shots. Yeah, Jason, they're like a kind of something of a horror movie, Croatia, aren't they? Every time you think you kill them off, they just kind of reappear just to shock you. It, it, it's it, We talk about intangibles, don't we? We obviously can look at data and that's the, the main guide. But they have this extraordinary iron will. Every time you think, oh, they must get tired, they've got to get tired, they've got to be out on their feet, they never are. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Uh I mean, one price ahead of the Brazil game, a bookmaker was offering to win the kickoff, and Croatia were favourites to win that. So even in a coin toss, Croatia are favourites. Like you just you wouldn't back against them. <laughs> They've uh, penalty shootouts four times at World Cups. They've won the four of them. It's well documented. World Cup twenty eighteen, go behind and and come back every time, bar the final. Like they're they're just yeah, they're just unkillable. Like it's the Terminator. Yeah, how do you stop them? Um. And, and that midfield tree, it's like a ferry ring. Like if you were stuck in the middle of it, you'd be gone dizzy. Like there's just no getting the ball off them. And that's going to be really fascinating 
can't wait to see how that plays out with McAllister, Fernandez, the Paul. How that how that midfield battle is going to be a fascinating watch. Uh, where Argentina obviously have the the edges is in terms of strike force. That's where where Croatia are really struggling. Keep changing their centre forward. I thought Pekovic when he came on against Brazil, I thought he was awful. I really in open play he was just I thought he was really poor. He has a nice moment where he beats two defenders and lays the ball off. But even I think the layoff to Brozovic I thought was poor. Didn't give him the best chance of getting the best strike on it. And then, okay, the goal, he finds space in the box, but it's still a deflection at the end of the day. Um, so Football's not sure great, though, got... isn't it? You get a guy who looks like he's won a raffle to play half the time, and then he scores one of the most famous goals in his country's <laughs> history. It's insane when you think about it. It's crazy. So, like, I just don't know who, who he's going to play. Like, he's he's changed it up. He started with Cramridge, then he starts with Cramridge out wide. Pekovic, Levaya, like, so we'll see who he plays up top, but... I was giggling there as Mark was calling it out because I had Perisic two or more shots. I was looking at the shots on target, but I just thought two or more shots given his volume. 13 shots in the tournament to date. And with player props, we always say, you know, try and side with a player that's going to get you maybe the full 90 minutes. And that's what Perisic does. Whereas alluded to there, Croatia will rotate their other forward. So whoever starts centre forward is probably coming off after 60 minutes. Uh, likewise, you know, Kramaric could be taken off and someone else coming in as well. So... Perisic, two or more shots, I think is brilliant. And um, there's a little, well, in my head, there's a little narrative around this, as in we've the two previous golden ball winners matching up here, Messi and Modric. No player has ever won two golden balls at World Cup. Um, so potentially one of these boys could do it, or Mbappe is actually joint favourite with Messi in the betting for the golden ball. And if Mbappe wins it this time, you won't bet against him actually being the first player to go on and win two. So that's a really interesting um, just narrative. Uh, the last thing I'll finish with is like potentially, hopefully not. They're the biggest loser in the book, Argentina. Messi, if he wins the golden boot as well, like he's the same assist as Mbappe, just one goal behind. And Argentina win a Messi golden boot in this tournament will be really, really bad for the books. But as the football fan, you'd love to see it. But we have to be honest, potentially, this could be the last time we see Messi at a World Cup. And you either die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. And I think we've seen that with Ronaldo. Yes, Luis Suarez has left this World Cup, but I think he was always a villain. But I did not like Messi's comments after the Netherlands games, and I can see it being a bit nasty if this doesn't go his way here. And it could be could be a bit bitter if, if Messi does bow out, but let's see what happens. The reason I tell you all this is I just agree with Mark as well. I think Argentina are too short, and I think there's a bit of value in Croatia to qualify as well. You can double that up, Croatia to qualify, Perisic to have two or more shots in the 90 minutes, It'd be bigger than five to one. And I think, yeah, there's a bit of value in Croatia looking at the prices. Stinch, what's your make of this one? Because I, I I find it difficult to get a handle on Argentina because I know they played well against the Dutch, but they obviously crumbled late in normal time and they couldn't quite push it through in extra time. So, you know, they had that defeat against Saudi. That was a bit clumsy more than anything. I don't think that was a terrible performance per se, but they've not been that impressive, have they really? No, not so. Uh, clinging on, really, against Australia in the knockout stage, which was probably their easiest game, I would say, given the fact I think they scored their goals the in the, the earliest they have in, in that game and were, were very, very comfortable until, yeah, they started seeing a bit more Route 1 football. And that might be their downfall here with, with Croatia. I think both of us, uh, Kev, have been quite positive talking about the Orsic 
Petkovic combo. Yeah. So maybe absolutely. we get we get to see that again. That's obviously the combo that led to the goal. I can definitely see Petkovic bullying the likes of Martinez and Romero at, at centre back. So that could be a, a route out for Croatia. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the odds, it's interesting kind of saying that sort of we think Argentina look a bit too short around that eight to eleven. Brazil were two to five against Croatia, and the way it was kind of being spoken about was Argentina weren't too far behind Brazil in terms of quality and ultimately odds. So that's quite a big jump from two to five to eight to eleven. I feel like that two to five though was very overreactionary to Brazil disposing very astutely of uh, of, of South Korea essentially, and Croatia obviously having played extra time against Japan. So that was probably the driver in in those odds. Yeah, I mean, as Mark alludes to, low goal expectancy in the semi-finals. Um, so you really probably, you, you know, you want to back overs, but ultimately, you know, it's 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 a it's a tough ask after, you know, a hectic season, and then with with both of these teams consistently going um, late on in in matches with with uh, extra time and and penalties. I mean, since Euro 2016, seven of eight Croatia knockout games have gone extra time or further. So. Has been often quite lucky, you know, we referring to England earlier in terms of um, their sort of maybe bad luck uh, in, in in fine moments. Croatia have been lucky in, in these fine moments. It's not, a, it's not a, a business plan that really should be seen as sustainable. You know, they haven't actually won anything, uh, albeit obviously making World Cup finals and, and World Cup semifinals is a, is a great achievement for, for a nation of their size. Ultimately, they haven't won anything just yet. So in terms of the match odds and the total goals, I thought that there was not much wiggle room. So again, looking you know, for a few side bets, I thought it was interesting. Um, I think this bet looks quite nice statistically, but again, I don't think it's one that you really want to cheer on. So I'm just kind of mentioning rather than suggesting it as a tip. But I was looking at Croatia under 2.5 corners at 6-4. to four. They only managed three versus Brazil in 120 minutes, only two v Belgium. And Argentina only conceded two, three, one, two and two in their matches. But again, I think if Argentina take the lead, obviously that invites Croatia on and you'd expect, you know, corners to come naturally there so it's nothing I I would bet personally so I think again if you if you're looking for a bet you you know you've got to look at the main man haven't you in in Lionel Messi 207 different bets available when I when I look so I went through it through every single 207 of them to see what I could find best um, statistically he's having the most shots per game in the tournament five per match which is obviously very very high he's making the third most key passes yeah, 3.2 key passes per game he's registered two assists so far he's the third most foul player nearly four fouls per game so it just shows you what influence he is actually having obviously we all see with our eyes what what he's doing but statistically obviously it all it all backs up in terms of his shots he's having three of those five inside the penalty area which is which is massive um 1.6 are coming outside the area he's having 2.4 on target and of those five shots four of them are coming with his left foot so on, on the the markets available you can 
you can bet things like number of header shots, number of left-footed shots, number of right-foot shots. So there's lots and lots of flexibility. But ultimately, the best one I kind of decided upon was Messi two plus shots on target, eight to eleven. It seems a bit short, but Croatia allowed Neymar five shots on target, four of those in ninety minutes. And yeah, you look at the statistics: two point four coming on target per game. So it's it's underneath his average. And I thought eight to eleven wasn't too bad, considering I do think essentially Croatia are just going to try and keep these t- things tight and hope to nick something up front. We know they're they're not they lack a bit of punch really in the attacking front and everything we've seen from them so far suggests they will play on the back foot. And yeah, if you wanted a bigger price, uh, Messi to have four or more shots on targets, 13 to two, you know, it's something that landed for Neymar and obviously, you know, similar player ability, Messi are arguably better and play in a, in a similar position. And just to touch on the golden ball quickly, Mbappe six to five, um, Messi six to five, Modric 20 to one. I do think there might be an air of they both play for PSG. Qatar own PSG probably has to go to one of Messi or Mbappe. Oh, you old cynic, you stinch. But he's probably right. Uh, if you were thinking about a bet builder, by the way, you can maybe chuck in Mark's Modric fouls angle, have the Perisic shots angle, and maybe that Messi shots on target angle. Worth bearing in mind this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.com. Org. That's all we have time for on this edition of World Cup Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. If you want the best tips and insight delivered straight to your inbox, you can still sign up for our World Cup newsletter at betting.betfair.com. From Jason, from Mark, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now. <laughs> 